Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Sorry You're In My Sea, a weekly podcast that unites two best friends on a quest to find the greatest movies of all time. My name's Aaron and each week I have the pleasure of talking movies and films with my best buddy James. Hello there. And this week's no exception, Happy New Year. We go into 2023 with episode 226, we think. Yeah, go with that. Yeah, And uh, we're back. We've taken this couple of weeks off the podcast just to celebrate Christmas, celebrate the new year, but we are back with a whole plethora of movies to talk about, some new releases um, to, to whet the appetite on streaming services. James, how you been? Well, over the Christmas period, I moved house. I bought a house. Yay! Yay! Property ladder. Adult in. I lost so much stuff, mate. I've lost so much stuff and found a great appreciation for labels. <laughs> Label everything going forward as a James's things. They weren't James's things. <laughs> and that's that's white people problems there and then. But talking of new locations, mate, we are in we're in your house. But mm. We're in a different area, decorated area, a pop vinyl figurine haven of of Alterbridge posters and memorabilia. It's like your fortress of bantitude up here, mate. It's the it, it's an it's an eighties eighties kids bedroom. It's is amazing. My, is it's my attic. It is. <laughs> I'm so happy right now. I feel like feel like I'm an 80s child again. We, we we have moved locations. We used to do this downstairs. We're now going to do it in the attic. Where we're, I, we're getting further apart. I know. <laughs> a bigger table between us. But it is, uh, it's a sacred place, the attic, full of uh, just junk, really. Yeah. But, and, it, uh, but it means that we can also start to film a few little segments and pieces as well, because I think a big thing for us in 2023 is just to put a bit more online content, so maybe a couple of videos, maybe a YouTube channel, that kind of stuff as well. So we will be recording. But yeah, I think... 2023. I mean, 2022 was a good year. It was uh, a very good year. Difficult year for film. Very difficult film for you. It, it opens up a very big question here. And it is... So I've seen Avatar this week. Mm. I went to the cinema. It's the first time I've been to the cinema this year. <laughs> That's not that impressive. Yeah, I mean, it's like the eighth. Yeah. <laughs> but but also, I, has the magic of the cinema gone? Because this film needs to make £2 billion to, to make even. Mm. I, I can't see it happening. I know it's made one billion already, but surely if you were going to see Avatar 2, still Avatar, and you'd have seen it by now. Yeah. Who's coming? Where's that extra billion coming from? People aren't going to the cinema. People are worried now, big executives. The, the, the movie experience is gone because we, we now live in a world of convenience. I want to watch this. I want to binge it. Go home, load up one of 20 streaming services, and you can watch what you want. Is the big screen in the big grave. Uh, Avatar will come to Disney Plus at some point and probably the Paramount streaming services. Mm. You're right. It's it's a big gamble with with Cameron with this because the number of special effects supervisors and uh, clever whiz kids that do all the amazing effects that are in the Avatar movies. I mean, I haven't seen it, but apparently the credits of this film are insane with the amount of people that have been working yep. on this film. And also Cameron, weirdly, did a full cut, fully edited before showing it to the producers so normally with a film that's so heavily laden on special effects, they'll show a cut that's still got a lot of green screen, yes. still got a pencil in a lot of effects. The Wolverine one comes to mind. Do you remember when that, that, that launched illegally, someone got their hands on it? It's just Hugh Jackman in front of a green screen for 90 minutes. Yeah, and, it, and that's normally where, like I said, they'll say, like, make cuts or change this, this, this. Apparently Cameron was that much of a perfectionist on this movie that they fully edited it, did all the visual effects, all the rendering before showing it to, which is a huge commitment. Especially if they show it to the guy, he goes, no. Nah. No, I don't want it. <laughs> Make them red. Yeah. <laughs> Send so, it back. Like the people that watched the Flash cut and was like, yeah, get rid of everything. Or, or the Batwoman film. Literally get rid of the whole thing. And that, I suppose that's the danger of it. Just, no doubt we'll talk about DC in a few minutes. But yeah, Avatar, I, I had this conversation with my brother earlier today. 
I, I enjoyed the first one and it was visually very good, but yeah. I, I never, I didn't leave the cinema going like, oh my God, that's, that's it. That's, I that's can't the, wait that's... for over 12 years yeah. for the sequel to come out. Is that how long it's been? I don't know if it's that long, but this is how I went to, fuck me, this film was three hours long. This is my memory. I went with old friend Sam. <laughs> went with Sam. We missed the screening. We were 20 minutes late. And now what I love about this is they won't let us in. It's like, no, you've gone past. We're not selling tickets this month. I was like, but 20 minutes, you're still in the adverts. Mm. I've been in the cinema when people walk in an hour late. One letters in, so I used the massage chairs. Next screening, two hours. I spent nearly six hours in that cinema, but two hours and a four-hour runtime of adverts and post credits and everything. I went in there, and I came out of that thinking it was all right. Yeah, I re- relaunched three D. That's remember that that came out three D films and three D films, three D Valentine, Scary Valentine, all of these. Oh, crappy, my bloody Valentine, my bloody Valentine. Yeah, I mean, because the, the idea was that it, it kind of created depth to the film rather than things looking like they were going to come out and poke you in the eye, which is then. Avatar did it, but every other thing else was like, oh, it's coming at you. Like Saw 3D, he throws a sword at the screen. Like, oh, I've t- wow, I thought it was coming who at me. Who watched Saw 1 and went, I fucking hope, I hope that by the time we get to the 15th one, it's 3D. <laughs> my <laughs> you know I mean? my favourite one was when... I just really want to, I want to feel the blood, you know? I want to... <laughs> my, my favourite one is, I don't know if you remember this, but it's my, whenever someone asked me about 3Ds, is a quote that you gave me. You, me, Sam, your missus went to the cinema to go see Thor, the first one. In 3D. Yeah. And we came out of it and your wife went, oh, what do you think of the 3D? And you went, we didn't see the 3D version. It was like, and I don't know what you, we did. <laughs> That's so how unimpressive it was in most films. Do you want it's back? And I'm going to tell you now, I didn't watch it in 3D because I was like, no, I, I'm not paying like two pound for glasses. My my memory of the first film was that I, it was enjoyable and it looked visually great, but it was just how hot I was in the cinema. <laughs> To this day, when I think of Avatar, and it doesn't matter that the second one's got a lot to do with water, I was hot watching that first movie. I was sandwiched between two people and I couldn't get my coat off. Oh, that's and, for, three uh, for three hours. For three hours. I was like, I'm, I'm going to die. Um, well, if you liked the first one, you might like this one, but we'll, we'll get into well, that. Well, no, I thought it was me. <laughs> and I feel like we were a minority because... And you're no, no, you're not. Me. When you talk to someone, like, oh, what's your favourite film? Oh, The Big Lebowski, <laughs> The Godfather, Plotting. No fuckers going Avatar. Yeah, no, Avatar. One, no one dare tells Cameron. They're just like, don't tell him. Let's just let's just watch well, it and he'll go away for 12 but, years. But surely he has the internet. And what I don't understand about this is he, he spent a lot of money, a lot of money, most expensive film ever made. And no one's turned around and gone, why? <laughs> and he's mm. just gone, no, fuck it, I'm having Kate Winslet for three seconds in it. Oh, what? yeah, I heard she's in it, yeah. Yeah. There's this big cast. A lot of returning cast, bearing in mind, they definitively died in the first one. Yeah, oh yeah, you're like, this, this, Sam yeah. Worthington. <laughs> I know, just his career died. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, uh, that was what I've been, we'll get into that in a bit. What, what about you, you all right? Yeah, good, good New Year's, good, good Christmas, nice relaxation time, just kind of getting away from um, a lot of commitments like this for a while and just, <laughs> and no, and just going back to like, because we get so hooked up on agendas with this podcast, we like, do. like we're doing... Like, you know, movies from 1997 or Waterworld or whatever it is. And that kind of dictates. No, and that dictates what you got to watch that week. And it's just been good to have two and a half weeks of just going, yeah, I'm going to watch that. Yeah. And so I've watched a whole eclectic mix and I had a streak going, a streak of great movies where every film I was watching, I was like, this is great. This is good. And um, I, I did think this week I have seen the best film of 2022. I think I may have done as well and uh, a late entry, but I did watch. And I'm not going to talk about it. That's why I'm bringing it up now very early. I did watch the latest installment of the Fantastic Beast franchise. Mm, and it, Dumbledore's it, Secrets or whatever Dumbledore, it's called. The Secrets of Albus Dumbledore. Yeah. Which is obviously famous because Johnny Depp at the time was accused of, well, being an abuser. It got rid of him. Got Mads Mikkelsen, which I think is great casting. Great casting. Great casting. But maybe if you're 
big depth fan, you're going to, out of principle, not see that film and probably shit on it from a great height. Mm. The introduction of Mads Mikkelsen would make me more interested in that film. Talk to me, tell me, how does it well, work? Mads Mikkelsen is also really funny as a character because he, lo- he looks a charming bloke. My favourite film of him is Another Round. Yeah, where, it's a good film. Yeah, where he, he plays a, a teacher <laughs> that gets drunk. No, wait a minute, not Polar. No, no yeah. Polar. Oh, no, yeah. But that's what I mean. And then the other side of Mads Mikkelsen, Polar, he's played Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> He's playing a Nazi in the new Indiana Jones movie. Which, now... which weirdly is quite possibly the most perfect casting. <laughs> no. It's like, who would make a good Nazi? And the Danishman, Matt <laughs> Mickelson. Salt. He's, he's now, he's now, um, yeah, so he's, he's, he's done that. He's created the Death Star. He did create the Death Star. And, and, uh, and put the exhaust in it, so he's kind of a hero as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's two sides and a character. <laughs> Responsible for millions of deaths, did put an exhaust pipe in it. And then, um, I think of all like the, the, you know, a Bond villain, the Chief. Oh, I did, yeah. yeah. And you think he's done some villainous baddies. Put your hands together, mate. Magical Nazi. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking forward to Indiana Jones. But I was watching him thinking, he always comes across as really articulate, very intelligent, but also very friendly. Yes. Like, there's a lot of videos of him meeting fans online where he's... Because I think he was a young actor and he has had a career, but then he exploded at maybe a latest, you know, part yeah, of his life. That. Yeah, that, um And again, if you hear the interviews about how he got the job with um, the James Bond movie, it was it was because of his look, but it was like, you speak English, right? And he's like, yeah, 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 shit. Got to speak English, like fluent English very quickly because it was his first English-speaking role. And then it's just catapulted him since. I feel like I'm missing another huge Mads Mikkelsen franchise that he's been in. But, it's, it's, but it's he just, just seems to be like the go-to guy. You need a villain quickly. If uh, Pascal is your main hero now that you go to for everything, I think I think Mads Mikkelsen is probably villainous. Yeah. You you did miss out his weird turn in Doctor Strange where I think he was he was proper underutilised. Oh, yeah. Mads Mikkelsen's like your A-game End villain, yeah, not some prat with eye makeup making yeah, magic. Yeah, I do. I do think they. I do think they shot the load early with with um, and putting Madsbooks in there. And Marvel just Marvel and Fox. To be fair, it was mm. Fox. They just shit out their villains like they've got villain diarrhea. Yeah, he's getting to the point now. It's like, is anyone left to go with Marvel? <laughs> is it anyone? Any, no. You know, but um, yeah. So I watched this, and so I'm sat down. I'm like, I like Eddie Redmayne, and you know, we, the film starts up. I'm like, yeah, I, I like the Wizarding World. I don't get, I don't get drawn into the J.K. Rowling thing, and you know, and her online um, comments and stuff. I just, I'm just watching the film. So I'm, I, I, you know, you're a Harry Potter fan. You like the magic. I'm a magic fan. You're a magic fan. I like wizards and stuff. Yeah, you've always said that. Uh, yeah, every week, every week, <laughs> and. Um, I got five minutes in. I was like, "The fuck is this about?" <laughs> do, do, you remember, do you remember? Do you remember that series started, mate? And he'd lost some magical animals in New York. Yeah. And now, <laughs> I'll never forgive it. I'll never forgive it. When I watched that, and there's a great, charming scene where he he's got a muggle with him. And he's mm. like, "Oh, I've lost me invisible rhinoceros." Essentially, that like, is transported. And then there's this backstory, but this is really minor mm. with Ezra Miller being a bit of a troubled, <laughs> troubled teenager. Well, ages brilliantly. <laughs> uh, Colin Farrell. Yeah, oh yeah, that, I forgot about that. Yeah, and then at the end of that, it's always Grindelwald. Oh, that's that's a that's a shocker. Then the next film, why have I got a backstory about a snake? <laughs> see, I'm glad. See, I needed you there with me when I was watching this because I was like five minutes into this film, like right, yeah. So he's he's new. Some, yeah, oh yeah, that suitcase. Yep, yeah. Yep. Oh, and there's that thing. Yeah, and it collects all the gold shiny things. It's basically like a magpie, but it looks like a platypus. Yes. Oh yeah, him. Yeah, he's a muggle, but he wasn't. But he knows about the wizard in the world. Does, Hold because, on, what happened? Yeah. And 
Honestly, I got 15 minutes in, Maz Mickerson slits the throat with this magical creature and looks at its blood and I went, the fuck am I watching? <laughs> I have no idea. I needed like a five minute... You did recap. Recap of just, where we were up to. You with just, see that. You, uh, here's your recap. You lost interest in it when he uh, was able to follow a magical creature by licking the puzzle. He licked the pavement. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I remember that in the second movie. Yeah, I thought, where's the magic in sniffing the ground? <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> I, I don't remember watching the first one going, fuck, I hope they make five of these. <laughs> <laughs> but but they, I, did. I think they pulled the plug on it. I think it was a fucking natural disaster. And I think they, they were should, talking though. about Thing is, though, Wizarding World, though, owned by Warner Brothers, because they're not JK Rowling, if they don't make a move, a movie every seven years, they will lose, they the, lose the rights. Yeah. So you can fucking guarantee there's the Quidditch World Cup, the film coming, or That's... something, something so tenuous mm. that they can keep the license. And again, I'm not going down the J.K. Rowling route. I know she wrote it, did the screenplay for the original. It, where do you go from Harry Potter? I, I I remember thinking Magical Beast is brilliant because some of the animals and the creatures... In, we're magical. Well, yeah, we're great. Yeah. And there's a story there about the zoologist or the magic zoologist that kind of has to keep them. Because my, I still stand by, God bless him, Robbie Coltrane's Hagrid was yes. my favourite character in the original Harry Potter. That's yeah. the job I wanted. Yes. I wanted the groundskeeper... It gives you it gives you so much license because we know magical creatures exist in the Harry Potter world or mm. what they call the Wizarding world. We know they exist, but they're very rarely the focal point. Obviously, you see some like the Griffin, the Gryffindors, and the the giant snakes. But ultimately, you've seen like zero point one percent. You have license to explore any kind of thing you want. You've got mm. a character that loves animals. He goes in his suitcase in the first film. And he's got Aries from, him, and he genuinely loves animals. It's so brilliant. No, in reality, he's a secret agent for Dumbledore fighting magic Nazis. <laughs> and you're just like, whoa, that film, well outplaced yeah. now. If it's tied with Newt Calamander murdering a man, <laughs> planting evidence on him, and then and then and then one of the creatures escaped with vital evidence that would have stopped World War Two. <laughs> that would have made more sense. But well, it doesn't. <laughs> I remember there's a there's a scene at the end of the second one with Johnny Depp kind of Oh, giving the speech about why he, why he doesn't like the Muggles. And you're on this side, aren't you? And, 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 it's, and it's that weird time in life where you kind of, you, you tiptoe over the line of the villain's psyche and think, yeah. he's not entirely wrong. It <laughs> <laughs> like shows the future. Surely you've done something really bad. Yeah. If you set up this major villain and then half the audience goes, you know what, good, good yeah. point. But it's, <laughs> it's show you that it, it shows like the worst of the wars that's about to happen and that the mankind's going to rip itself apart. They're at, they are feral. And then you and the kind of flip back to Dumbledore and he's like, yeah, but you know, they we, may- give, we give them choice. Yeah. <laughs> but look at the beer they make. <laughs> Not all that bad. At some point, it's, so you've been asking for this since uh, the second film. I remember you had the biggest question. Do we see the transformation scene where Dumbledore goes, you know what, bollocks to this three-piece suit, give me them jammies. <laughs> Just looks at a curtain and goes, turn that into a robe. And I'm like, that's what I want to wear. You know what I mean? This comes to the point though. I imagine it's when he got tenure. Mm. You're like, we can't find me. Well, bollocks to this, then I'm going to walk around in whatever the fuck I find on the floor. <laughs> yeah, they, there's there's a gap in there. There's I don't know. What, do they do do they do like Revenge of the Sith though? Where you like you know where they're like, okay, Palpatine in this movie, you know, he's senator. He's he's got he's got to look like New Hope Palpatine. <laughs> Just you know, so uh, lightning, yeah, <laughs> lightning to the face. <laughs> so the continuity editor comes in. Right, just for the record, this is what it looks like. Why are you going to do this? I'll make him fall over yeah. <laughs> on a grate. Accidentally gets his face caught in a sandwich make. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I didn't see it. I don't want to see it. Utter bollocks. Yeah, I, I didn't enjoy. I didn't finish it. That's why I bring it up now. Is I will. I will go back. I am a completionist. I will finish. 
finish it. I, it was late. I wasn't ever going to finish it. I, I had hoped to get an hour in. Got about 15 minutes in. I thought, I need a YouTube recap of what happened in one and two because I'm frigging lost. Oh my God, that's, that's disappointing. But you know what, mate? I'm going to have something that's going to make you smile on the mm. internet. Not going to bring it up today because we've spoken about it at great length in the past. A great animated film. Stop motion. Though when you watch it, I was talking to Esther and I had to, I had to double check there was stop motion. Greatest thing about Christmas is BBC One usually smash it out of part with their kids' films. Awesome <clears throat> Robert every year. They always do something really decent. And this year, they brought The Missing Link. Yes. A great film that Esther had never seen before. It was on BBC iPlayer. We'd mm. missed it by a few hours. And I went, I needed something on in the background. We were moving boxes, just mm. moved house. Put it on, absorbed us for 98 minutes. It is brilliant, cracking, wasn't it? And she loved it. Yeah. And it was brilliant. But I just thought, that's the sort of film. That's a great Christmas movie. Not, yeah. not Christmas, but it's such a great performance. And what an artistic license of beauty. Yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed Missing Link. Uh, Hugh Jackman and Zach Galifianakis, great, great voice actors. And there's a whole array of actors in that. Uh, Stephen Fry. Stephen Fry, well, yeah. Emma, Tom, Emma Thomas. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's it, I love that film. I haven't seen it in ages. So one film that I know we are going to talk about in great detail in coming weeks, because we're going to do a real deep dive into it, is the Guamero del Toro um, Pinocchio movie, which I watched the other day. And is, you know, spoiler, it's brilliant. It is utterly brilliant. That Can't film. wait to see it. I've seen like 20 minutes of it and I stopped it because I wanted Esther to watch it with me. Yeah, it is. You're going to love it. Savor every minute of it. Films like that, because you and I, we love animation, love stop animation. And nine times out of 10, I love them because even even if the storyline flags or whatever, the, the attention to detail, the beauty in the art makes me just love it. And this you can tell is a special movie. I think when you watch it, it's one of them, these don't come around. And when you know the backstory about how long it took to make and the painstaking hours and the number of puppeteers it took, it, a labour of love to get this film made, it is worth every second of that film. Can't wait it for it. It is stunning. We'll talk about it in way more detail. But um, I did finish uh, Del Toro's um, Curiosity, Cabinet of Curiosity. Yeah, so I came in a few times and saw you watching him. It's um, like a courtier with your pants down watching going, not again! <laughs> <laughs> it's a... Uh, it's weird. It reminds me of when I was a kid watching Are You Afraid of the Dark and then watching like, you know, Goosebumps and, you know, watching things like that, Twilight Zone, where, you know, because it starts with him like giving a story and he's like, be careful what you wish for, you know, and it kind of it sets up the premise of that episode. And <laughs> I will admit, some were great. One of them was a bit boring. One mm. of them was quite unsettling. But on the whole, if they made a series two, I would thoroughly enjoy it because it does. They're one off, aren't they? Sorry, there's no there's no concurrent storyline. It's, it's one off. It's... No, no, there are. You could make some links between yeah, them. You enough. could if you dug hard enough. But yeah, they are standalone. But I, I like, like that. You get to choose your level of integration. Like maybe there's a reference to one of the other episodes in the background. Like, That's cool. I like that. Yeah, and it's things that like themes like rats kind of follow through all of the films to some degree. Yeah. And it's uh, but it's that it's that Del Toro beauty of like it's it's not scary. It's spooky. And when it and when it's I mean, it's not terrifying, it's creepy. You know, he he has a, a style to him, an aesthetic to him. You know, his creatures are, are terrifying. They, they are, they, you know what I mean? Like that, they're not, it's not Pinhead or or yeah. Freddy Krueger scary. It's just unsettling kind of creatures that he creates. Apart from obviously the Pale Man in Pan's Labyrinth, which still is shit one of, scary. Still one of the scariest things I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but it, it, yeah, Curiosity, Cabinet of Curiosity, I've, I really enjoyed that as well. And then um, I was going to start Kaleidoscope tonight as well. 
which is the is new this Netflix the one that show. You can watch in any order. Yeah, and depending on what order you watch it in affects the outcome, which is pretty much the same as any TV show. Because yeah, because you watch twenty four episodes, like twenty four last, <laughs> it will change how you watch the rest of that show. <laughs> it's the story about how a guy brings his wife back to life and then turns into a shittier father as it goes on and on yeah. as he as he gives his daughter to Terrence. <laughs> Just take it. That's not too far away from the actual story of Charlie Four. <laughs> yeah, so what films are we going to talk about today? Because we've seen so many. We have. We, this is so. This is a spoiler. This is going to be two-part. Yeah. Because we're not going to get through all these films. No, we're so. not. We're not. We're go- we are going to try... Um, Keep them to about an hour-ish, so we'll see how many we can get through in this time. Just off the top of the off of our heads, we've got the menu, which is a Ray Fiennes Anya Taylor Joy movie. We've got Glass Onion, which is a Knives Out mystery follow-up. Uh, we've got Firestarter, The Outfit, Barbarian, Banshee of Inisherin. James, anymore? I've got Strange World. I've got everything, everywhere, all at once. Good luck to you, Leo Grand. And of course, as mentioned earlier, Avatar 2. And Pale Blue Eyes, uh, the Pale Blue Eyes, which is the new Christian Bale movie with Gillian Anderson. I wanted to see it, but I've lost me Netflix, and soon I will see it. Yeah. Hopefully. Uh, we'll go on that. Let's let's start with a... Did you see the menu? I did see the menu. Can we start there? Start because I don't want to start with a, with a potential, you know, uh, I don't want to start with an Oscar film or an end of year brilliant. I want to start... Let's just let's just start Hit me with, with the menu, menu. mate. Yeah. What's it? What's on the menu, mate? The, so the menu, the menu is. If you haven't seen it, I haven't heard of it. It's a 2022. It came out last year. It's an American horror thriller and very much a black comedy, which is directed by Mark Malloyd. And it's written by Seth Reese and Will Tracy. Tracy being the person that wrote the original story. It stars Rafe Fiennes um, as a celebrity chef, Julian Slowick, uh, and his aide assistant, Maitre D. Elsa, played by Hong Chow. The film stars Anna T- uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, Nicholas Holt, Janet Mateer, Reed Burney, Judith Light, and John Leguizamo. Every week. Every, like, he's got something different. Struggle with that name. Yes. I've probably pronounced it a hundred times. You know who it is. It, it, I think what everyone knows him as the voice of Sloth, but he... Luigi. Luigi but, yeah, Luigi. <laughs> the, the famous Italian played by the famous Hispanic actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then again, the other Italians played by an Englishman. So. <laughs> <laughs> all, all those uh, actors listed there play the not-so-fortunate diners who pay or are invited for an exclusive audience with the chef who's debuting his new menu. The way to sum this movie up is think, what would it be like if he was invited by a Bond villain to a tasting dinner party? Because that is essentially what this film is. Our story focuses on Margot, played by Anya Taylor-Joy, who's invited to the event last minute and was an alternative to a guest who backed out. The group arrived to a mysterious island restaurant known as Hawthorne by boat, and they're swiftly shown around before sitting down to dinner. The movie then pretty much takes course or eight courses over um, the insides of this restaurant. So we very rarely leave it. It's, it's, it is what it is a lockdown movie. You can tell the shot scenes of this whilst the yeah. pandemic was happening. Um, you know, it's it's not got a hell of a lot of location or exterior shots to it. Limited cast as well. Yeah. Um, you, you know, to, to sum it up, you've got a seating area with about eight tables and then the kitchen joins straight onto it. So everything is shot uh, within this one joint up room. And the, uh, everyone's kind of got a link to the chef himself. Yeah. So, so the the ultra fan, the person who helped him fund his business, the... Uh, the movie star who says that they're friends, but are they really? And then businessmen that are still a bit hazy about they know him. They've got a, fam- a familiar connection. Mm. Um, and that that's the film's hook. You know, the trailer, the premise of the film is why are they been invited? Why is it these seemingly random people in a room together? Or is there something that connects them all? 
um, you know, what what is it? And the the first act of this movie really um, tries to kind of ask those questions. These aren't just random people in this room, although they don't know each other and it looks like the first time they've met. The pretentious mate of thisness yeah. is perfectly played, I'd like to point out, because the film itself is set out like a menu. Um, kind of like, well, obviously it does talk about its foods as well throughout and there's, there's like a list of ingredients and how to prepare them. But then it'll do like these things like, oh, this is the start. It's a puff of lavender air mm. just popped in your face. And you've got like the Uber fan, Nicholas Holt. And I'll be honest, I, I'm a big fan of Nicholas Holt, but I, I do feel like lately he's been picking some crap films. But I do like this as a return to form of like the ultra weird fan. Have, <laughs> you, seen, like, have you seen Renfield, the trailer? No. With Nicolas Cage and Nicolas Holt is Renfield. I, I don't want to see it. Because it looks brilliant. Oh, then I will watch it. It looks then. brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> so it good. starts with him going to group therapy and they're all like talking. He's like, yeah, I'm here. My boss is a real slave driver. And it's kind of, he's, <laughs> like, he's just got a control over me. You know, it, it's, it looks like a really good comedy. So I, well, I'm sold on Renfield. Yeah. Um, I think, um, but also it's really weird, like where the story goes. And mm. the best way I could describe it is chefs now have a court of personality. If you think about it, Think of Gordon Ramsay. Think of, well, I just think of Gordon Ramsay. People like seek him out for his opinion on like bangers and mash and anything. It's weird, like like chefs now have become superstars, mm. and that's how he's treated in this film. Is like Ralph Fiennes is the greatest. It's like it's a privilege to be on this island, to be invited. It's a thing. The fact that you get shitty balloon air <laughs> as a starter is is something that's amazing. And what Anna Taylor-Joy does really well is she doesn't fit in that world because she's a last-minute replacement. And she's just like, I don't want it to eat. Fucking does his nuts in because he's obviously used to this, like, ultra And I really do like that, like the fish out of water. But in a really weird situation where we're all fish out of water. If I go and find that island, mate, I'd be like, mac and cheese, please. Yeah, <laughs> she she's the, the straight edge, isn't she? She's us, you know, mm. and the film is told through her perspective because we very much are on her side. It all looks very pretentious. It all looks very stuck up. It all looks like... You know the kind of thing that you see on inst- like Instagram celebrity stories when you see these dishes, each one more ridiculous and pompous and over the top. Um, it has gone on to success. It's doubled its budget at the box office and received mainly uh, positive reviews from critics. I think it was made on a, on about thirty million. It's certainly done over seventy. It's not overly gory, scary, or funny. It's a balanced film, and it's neutral, kind of like Nando's medium hot sauce. <laughs> that's nice, I like that. It doesn't really go either way, uh, but that's not to say it's a bad thing. It has a deliberate tone of arrogance and smugness throughout that complements the film's lavish ideas and characters, which are overall stereotypes and caricatures rather than grounded in any reality. It's like a sparkling wine pretending to be a champagne. Oh, mate, ooh. It's, Overall, it's, it's like it's like Aldi's tomato ketchup. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's not a top tier. <laughs> it's not what you want. Um, Overall, the film's three acts work well, the beginning being appetizer, weapon my appetite for the overall uh, unveil, followed by a main course, which I found rather filling, um, expe- exactly what I ordered. And in this, this instance, I decided I did want a pudding, and I was treated by Ray Fiennes and Anna Taylor-Joy, making sure no doggy bag was needed as I licked the plate clean of the film, satisfied with its conclusion. Do you know what? That's a very good way of putting it. And the most important thing is you've not talked about any spoilers, which is amazing, because mm. I still feel like the ending is perfectly written. An understanding it- of human psyche as well as a pretentious attitude. I do what I loved it. Like the whole idea of I'll get this without spoiling it. The idea that you can fall out of love with something when it's too artistic and it's like, like go back to the basics. Yeah. And that's very, and that, and that as the ultimate reveal is very good. Yeah. I did it. I didn't spoil shit. I'm well happy about that. For me, the, the sorbet, the palate cleanser at the end of this is very much that 
it sticks the landing in that it kind of it's it says very early on this is where this film is going yes and it does it and normally in those these kind of films they find a way around it they find a loophole they find a an angle to to change the predetermined course and mm. and actually this is this very early on it's like this is how this is going to end Played and by it the rules. does yeah. and, and and I was like that's really really refreshing because like I say nowadays you see something completely different I I mean. Would I leave a tip? Most definitely. I'd probably put on TripAdvisor that the menu was satisfying. Great performances. Anya Taylor-Joy is just a tour de force. Ray Fiennes gives you Oscar-worthy or just entertainment. Ray Fiennes, he has done bad movies and has been in bad movies. And there's a great, there's, there's, a, great, there's a, a very famous podcast, the Komodo Mayo podcast, where, it, they, where they interview Ray Fiennes. If it's a film that he's really engaged in, he comes in and talks about it very articulate. Like he directed this movie about like Russian ballet and he mm. comes in and he talks about like all these authors and all this inspiration. And then when he comes in to talk about Harry Potter, he's like, yeah, I play a wizard, uh, a bad one. Um, he's just got no, no, no real, nose, mate. Yeah, he real kind of, he sells the films you know, that he's really invested in. And others, you know, he, I think he's quite openly, I needed a new kitchen. And I had a bit of free time. And this is much on that side. But... I think the refreshing part of it is Nicholas Holt and Anya Taylor-Joy are great. I mean, the whole cast is great. And you only, there's a lot of characters in this. And I found it was very well balanced that you only really needed to ever know the limited amount that you got. Yeah. You didn't need the backstory. You didn't need flashbacks of off the island about what these guys did and how they got there. And no, it's better, isn't it's it? It's literally just like throwaway sentences. There's a very, very, it, it, this is a sentence I've never, never said before. The film changes the moment tacos come out. Yes. There's a scene with some tacos and then you're like, all right, here we go. There's there's the link. And it and in about 30 seconds, you're like, right, good. When you find the reasons for people being there as well, my favourite one is John Leguziamo's. Like, literally, he's like, I yeah. had a day off. And that's all you need to know. And he's just like, I had a day off. I would have had a day yeah. off. That's why you're here. Yeah. Well, even then he's date. He's like, what did I do? Did you go to uni? Yeah, he got any debt? No. Well... <laughs> and that's, that's why it's got a great, you know, like the chef has invited people that you know, have done certain things that not one would say deserve the outcome or yes. the, the or the motive. And some are downright petty. And it, and it, that's why I say it is a good, it's not the best dark comedy I've seen this week. I'm going to save that shortly. But I did I did laugh out loud a few times thinking that was actually really funny. And I need to tell you, Joy, I'm just going to keep going back to, just again, just showing another string to the bow of what she can do. Because I thought this was a really, really good performance. It it could have it could have just been a throwaway, like yeah, that was a good. I mean, it's probably ten minutes too long. That was an alright movie. So actually, there was something that I quite enjoyed about it. Um, it's not perfect by any standards, and the ending I think some people will see is quite silly. But the whole film is pompous. It's over the top. It's That's context. I mean. It's whole context is silly, and you know these meals are ridiculous. One character in particular, the food critic. Um, I loved those two. I've got a name now. Um, that was in um, uh, Ozarks. Is yeah, it Judith, she, Judith Light. Yeah, she plays the the the, the lawyer. In yeah, Ozarks. Yeah. I mean, she's these the most detestable out of all of them. You know, in the way that she talks and you know and everything. But the, I like a film as well that is split. I mean, we, we talk about films being split into eight uh, into three acts. And this is split into eight courses. And I like how it even kind of writing appears on the screen. Yes. I find it really entertaining. It's not great. I probably wouldn't have gone to the cinema to watch it. But now that it's on Disney Plus of all places. I I really like this film. I think this film should have got mm. a bit more hype. 
Yeah. I, I think weirdly, this is a film that I mean, there's many negative things about. It. People have come to it; they're not expecting much. Mm. But everyone's liked the, the the taster menu, mate. They've come back for the full course. Yeah, I tried I mean, to desperately get into your food. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I, I found it all right. A good start, I think, to the year was watching the menu, which came out at the back end of last year. Do you want to go with a movie? Or I will go with a movie, mate, because I'm actually not going to go with a movie. I'm going to go with Esther. So I watched the film last night, 98 minutes long. Golden era, mate. Golden era. If I were to tell you that, I know how you feel about Emma Thompson, mate. You're a huge Emma Thompson fan. I am. Um, Amazon. Good luck to you, Leo Grant. I want to watch this. Yeah. So um, it's directed by Sophie Hyde and written by Kate, uh, Katie Brand, starring Emma Thompson and Daryl McCormack. He was in a film which I don't know if I ever spoke about. It was an Irish film called Pixie. <clears throat> and uh, You did talk about it. He was very good in it. And after watching this, I genuinely think Outside Shot for being Bond, he has a certain charisma. And when I was talking to Esther about it, she's like, maybe he doesn't have that killer authority. And I was like, but that's kind of, that would actually be a good thing for well, Bond. He lulls you in. Isn't Aaron Taylor-Johnson now in Final Talks for oh, Bond? Oh, I don't want that. I think he is. I don't want He's come feeling... out saying he had a meeting and it went well, so. <sighs> His accent... I, his accent from fucking bullet train did my tits in. I don't want him to be Bond. I want to, I'm with you. Uh, Rizzo uh, Or now, Darren, I think Darren McCormack mm. would do a great job. I think we're all just waiting for the guy from Game of Thrones, whose name I've forgotten. Kit Harrington. No. The no. um, other man, sorry. I, I, I don't know. I think in a few Tom years. Tom Holland will probably get it, James. Yeah, probably. Tom fucking Holland will get it. Yeah. Piss on everything. Anyway, Nancy is frustrated with her life. She's bored and uninspired after a passionless marriage. So she hires Leo Grand to reignite her. Leo is a sex worker, calm, sexy, and ready to listen. The film starts with a meeting, with meeting one where Nancy comes through with judgment, old school beliefs about consent, and the revelation that she has never had sexual pleasure mm. and doesn't know how to, never had an orgasm. Mm. Husband died. She now hires the sex worker. He's like, you need to get me off. I want to have an orgasm. It's really weird listening to Emma Thompson talk quite frankly about sex. I'll be honest, it was a film. Weird you going with James or pleasant? <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> the film covers the meetings and follows her li uh, liberation as she escapes her preconceptions about sex workers and sex in general. The true triumph of the film is that it teaches audience about the somewhat sanitised sex industry without preaching, leaving you with true respect for the professionals, the actors, and Emma Thompson showcasing body positivity, and self-love. Thank you, Emma Thompson, for being you. Now, uh, Esther was a huge fan of this. She said one of the best films she's ever seen. Emma Thompson, make us naked in this film. Fully naked. Power to her. She's fucking phenomenal in this movie. Emma Thompson, everything you love about her, brilliant in this film. The judgment between her and Leo. She oversteps her boundaries because she doesn't want to just have sex with someone, mate. She wants to have some sort of relationship with there. The second meeting, she's got a list of filthy things that she's always wanted to try. She's always wanted to give a blowjob to someone. She always wanted to receive oral sex. She's very open about this, mate, and talking quite openly with this Leo person. And there's four meetings, and the relationship changes. Maybe something goes too far. She thinks Leo's trying to bilk her at one time. Oh, you're taking advantage of me because you think I'm rich. I want this orgasm, and I want it now. But it's not about getting an orgasm, I mate. definitely want a sound clip. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good luck to you, Rio Grande. Um, Esther loved it, and so did I. It was a great film, 98 minutes, so it's, it's right on the money. You had, you had me there. And it's majority of it. In the fourth act of the fourth session, there's another person. Get your mind out the gutter. <laughs> um, they meet publicly because of the events of meetings three and two and one. Um, however, 
is the majority of these two characters. And I love something like this. This, this is like what you said. This was definitely a COVID film. They were locked away. They were sanitised. They meet in a hotel room. It's set in the hotel room. The fourth one set in like the hotel bar. It is literally just two characters talking, engaging with each other. It's a snapshot of human life. And film is film is there to make you experience things. It's about, oh, to be honest, I don't think I can actually say it better than Esther. <laughs> Esther's positive attitude here it really shines through with Emma Thompson, who commands the screen. And she's earned it, mate. She's earned her A-listing star. And it's really nice to see a film that's completely out of left field, come from nowhere and just take your attention and just be like, you'll remember me and I will remember this film. Um, good for you. I love this film. You should watch it. You'd love it. Show it everyone. It's on Amazon. I, I do want to see it. Good luck to you, Leo Grant. Oh, you'd have loved it, mate. Everything about it is kind of charming. And you get engaged in just the conversation that they have. They're trying to... So Leo's suave and and creative. He's trying to get her to relax because he thinks that's the, the, the way to get her to achieve her goal. She's uptight. She doesn't want to do that. She needs to know more about him. But obviously he's a sex worker and he's not going to like tell her everything she wants to know. So it's like playful banter. Like she needs to know something about him and he won't give it up. Mm. It's the game around the sex, mate. Phenomenal film. Absolutely fucking adored it. Top top five, I'd say, of the year. Oh, really? That, that's that high good. praise. It's very good. That is high praise. In 98 minutes of just two people talking. Mm. That's all you're left with. It has to be good because if you don't like it, that's all the film is. So if, you, if, you, if you're not engaged within 10 minutes... You, you're not going to last mm. the next 80. So well played, well written, well dramatised, well directed. Mm. Not a spot wrong. Except for the third character that shows up, I thought I was spending ages trying to work out. You know when you watch the film, you go, where do I know that person from? Yeah, all the time now. Um, but I refuse to cheat. I, I think used, it I might be... I used to be, be sharp. Uh, I used to be on it. I used to be like, that guy was a was a background character in Armageddon. Yes. And now I'm, I'm not as sharp, James. <laughs> I I think this might have been Rose from Star Wars, but then I was like, no, it's not. Oh. <laughs> so there you go. Um, I watched it. I mean, that's that's already on my list, and I saw it the other day, and I nearly I nearly put it on, and um, and I know. didn't. But um, yeah. well, you know, I had I had to watch um, I had to watch something, some wizards and muggles doing something that I didn't understand for fifteen minutes. <laughs> for fifteen minutes, then went to bed. <laughs> Got an early night. It destroyed you, mate. <laughs> um, I'm going to talk about a movie that is. Uh, I wasn't blown away by, it, be honest. I'm gonna, we, you know, we talked two positives at the moment. You know, the menu w- was was very pleasing. Um, Good luck to you, Leo Grand. Was was it was the Leo Grand bit? I can't remember. It was sensational. It's, yeah. Uh, so let's lower the tone a bit, which is our way. Yes. Well, it's time to shit on things. And since, <laughs> since we're in uh, since we're in my attic, which is uh, you got all my books behind you, James. You'll mm. notice a lot of Stephen King. So you'll be... Um, I looked. I know you and I know that you've got a lot of Stephen King, but I still looked. Well, one, one of my not two favourite books and certainly not one of my two favourite movies from 1984 was the film Firestar, the original starring uh, Drew Barrymore and Michael Sheen, I think, was in it. The dad. Sure. The father Sheen. Oh, Martin Sheen. Mr. Sheen. Martin Sheen. Yeah, he cleans, a, Sheen. He cleans a table. Um <laughs> It's been remade. It's been redone. This time with Zac Efron, Ryan Carey Armstrong, and Sidney Lemon in it. Could not be less interested in this film. It's weird, isn't it? I I just and I wasn't. Don't get wrong. I didn't. didn't, I think I on. uh, I think it's on Netflix. I watched it. I think on Netflix. Going fucking. I hope. I hope there's an updated version of Firestar on it somewhere because I wasn't blown away by the original. And. <laughs> the book I certainly wasn't blown away by, it. and that's all this. I thought Zac Efron. I quite like Zac Efron. He's too young to play an alcoholic, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> so you've seen this movie. <laughs> so, so, 
So Firestar, if you don't know it, it it's Stephen King in the 80s. So it's, it's obviously about a girl with kinetic powers. Yeah. Not Carrie, but the other one. The other ones. And, uh, and where's Carrie was damning because you watch that movie it had a it obviously had that biblical undertone of you know the controlling mother you know Mrs. White who was the real villain in that movie Carrie obviously goes on to massacre all her school friends after a traumatic event <laughs> sorry that's so funny <laughs> but I know but it, that film had like layers to it and it was it was very graphic shocking and obviously came out in the 70s and I think King's first book so mm. you know and much shorter Firestar did feel like a weird victory lap of Carrie, where it's a very similar premise of a girl with unlike presidented powers. Um, she, that when she's angry, when she's upset, when she's frustrated, she can literally combust and fire. You know, like the Human Torch. Yeah, can a fire. burn people yes. alive. She's very, very dangerous. And you know, Zac Efron plays a father. Uh, Sydney <laughs> Levin plays the mom. Are you joking? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Zac Efron's like sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> I know that shows my age, but at the point, at no point we'd ever go. I was like, "Covers well, I guess." Yeah, of course he was. High school musical came out last year, didn't it? <laughs> There's still no way he's still not old enough to pull well, off his dad. He, the other year, mate, he played opposite like The Rock in Baywatch. This, he's not dad yet. Well, he, he is in this, and uh, so he he's the dad, like protecting her, knows of her powers, knows of her abilities. Um, as is the mum and there's a shady government group that you know are on the search for anyone with these kind of powers because naturally it's you know the Americans that want to weaponize them and um, or take them out of um, society if they're deemed too dangerous and she think of them like the X-Men she is the phoenix the dark oh. phoenix okay yes so uh, you know you mean, she's you young mean, you mean there's a shit storyline coming up <laughs> oh yeah yeah so uh, <laughs> the, the film is really linear there's not a lot that happens in this film it, the, they get exposed very early on because she gets frustrated at school by a bully which um, and she ends up blowing up like a certain room in the school which puts them on the radar of the shady government that then send a let's just call him a mutant because he's very X-Men-y sends a mutant uh, assassin to go chase them it's a bit of cat and mouse until it ends in the facility. What's 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 the power of the hitman? Is it is it water, which is the only thing that makes sense to me? So this is the thing, right? I watched the movie not long <laughs> ago. I can't me, remember. Oh, damn it. I thought you were going to say kindling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like he's made a water. He's made a straw. <laughs> no, he, he can... I think he can... Oh, he can... No. no, it, it, no one cares. <laughs> Turns out Zac Efron's got a power. And his power is that he can almost hypnotise and make you see things. <laughs> he can say yes to anything. And he can movie. get in your brain and tell you to do stuff. That's, you mean a legit awesome power? Yeah, but he, he's used it so much, he's going to have a brain aneurysm if he does it anymore. So he has to stop. Uh, you know, every time he does it, his eyes bleed. That's probably the most graphic thing in this movie. Like His eyes like start weeping blood and like he's told, like stop fucking about. You do it one more time or too much. You, you, you're, gonna, you're gone. Yeah. And um, like Carrie... The film is based, the, 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 not a lot interesting happens in it. They come across a couple of individuals. They come, you know, people on the roads, that kind of thing. This, the big point is the finale. Something happens in the finale that is meant to be uh, shocking. That's King's earlier books, that tends to be where it gets to. You get to the end, and, and whereas Carrie truly is shocking, you know, she locks the doors and electrocutes everyone in there, with, you know, after the blood pours on it. It is. You know, if you saw that in the cinema, you would have been like, holy shit. Yes. There were horror movies out at that time, but that film that film had that really scary blueprint was, yeah. of there's not a lot of, you know, you would have gone, oh, this is an 18. What? Nothing happens until 10 minutes at the end. And then boom, 
Like, and holy hell. And it's not as if like she's a nice guy, but it's not as if she's the villain. It does but come she out. Is. Of... She's 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 the all American girl, yeah. the sweetheart, the, the you know, the good girl who turns ultimate yeah. villain. But it's not her fault. She's got this thing that she can't control with. And also she's there's no beds around her. And fucking John Troy, she was trying to do us a favour, mate. She was <laughs> she, trying to stop look who's she, talking. Yeah, she <laughs> knew before earlier this. <laughs> like, yeah. She she saw Broken Arrow coming. And <laughs> she and that film had a uh, you know had a had a subtext to it that King wrote in there. You know, it's about womanhood. You know, and it's about you know evolving. And and um, so whereas Carrie is awesome, this isn't. And it tries to have that shock ending, and it is shock ending. But if you've seen Carrie, you've seen this movie. You know what's about to happen. My advice is if you were going to go watch Firestarter, watch Carrie because it's shorter. It's got better acting in it. it it's more unsettling. Unsettling is the word. It's not, neither of the films are scary, but Carrie's unsettling. Because mm. also in Carrie, what a lot of people forget is you've got the after scene, not the after scene, but after the massacre, she goes home and she takes a, a vengeance on her mum. Uh, you know, so it has that last bit to it that, uh, you know, I think a lot of people think it ends at the school dance. Yes, to be honest, I thought it ended at the school dance because the, the favourite picture, I think, is on the posters of her covered in blood set yeah. fire to things. And I'd be honest, I thought that's where it ended. And there's like, I know the book doesn't because I read the book in your bed once. Yeah. Here's a story. There's a sissy, <laughs> there's a sissy space story, though, that she wore them clothes for three days before they shot them scenes. Yeah. You know, she slept in it, so she looked really dishevelled and tired before she had to do it. It's like no one told her about makeup. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why I don't understand about, you know, method actors, where, where it's like, oh, Martin Brando went to go live on the streets. You know, you know he's acting, right? He's pretending. <laughs> <laughs> well, this this is, yeah, it, it wasn't great. And um, it like, it wasn't, it's not terrible, but it it was, it's very bland. Yeah. It's very bland. And it's that Stephen King thing where he'll, he sells film rights for like a quid, doesn't he? Like yeah. a dollar. But then he takes a percentage on the box office or whatever it is, and and that's why we have so many Stephen King movies. Um, but yeah, I, it was just the the original, the eighty four didn't. It's not like it kind of set the bar high anyway, but it still didn't get over that bar. <laughs> oh my god, that's depressing. I know. Yeah, so stay stay clear of Firestar. Is it, no, you know, it, it was a straight to streaming service. It, I think it was penned for a um, release, for cinematic release. And it, and it, it. Yeah, they didn't get <laughs> oh, it. No. Oh. Um. One more? Uh, we're only at 45 minutes, so we could do one or two. Maybe we could do one or two, but I, I I feel like we should do it now. Well, let's let's get it out. Oh, oh. We do that after the show ends. What are you on about? Um, oh, my God, I've actually lost my notes on Avatar 2. I'm not joking. Oh, no, I've found it. <laughs> I've put it on read, the, uh, from I've, what I've heard, just read the synopsis <laughs> of the first movie. It's really funny you should mention that. Right, so Avatar 2. I went there, it was packed. It was Sheffield, it's a small cinema. It was packed. Luxury seats, mate. I'm not joking. If I'm going to sit there for three hours, I, I need to be fucking relaxed. Um, about an hour in, I'm wishing I was having needed a piss. <laughs> so I just, I just needed a break. Avatar, The Way of Water, directed by James Cameron, starring Sam Worthington. Where's he been? Mm. Um, Zoe Salander, there, who's been in everything. Well, Sam Worthington, just well, just interrupt your flow, sorry. Yeah. Sam Worthington, I like him. He, yeah, he's been on telly and shows like the one show. And yes. he's been saying, I have done films, yes. but no one's seen them. Have you, seen, have you heard about Eddie Falco? So Eddie Falco is famous in it. She, his famous, probably biggest role is, is Bad Nurse. Mm-hmm. Or no, Nurse Jackie. Mm. Or the wife in The Sopranos. Yeah. Camilla. So she's brilliant. She said when she when she heard this film was coming out, her response was, "Oh, I thought that came out." She she recorded. Oh, she thought so it was already come out. She yeah. said, "I thought it came out and bombed." 
<laughs> and, that's, and I hadn't received a check for it because I hadn't made any money. <laughs> and then you've got on an interview, because I've seen it with you, as Zoe says, I've had loads of films come out then. And then Sam's like, so have I, but you just haven't seen him. <laughs> so at least he's a good sport. He is a good sport. Sigourney Weaver, Stephen Lang, and Kate Winslet. Mm. But you know, you saw the first Avatar, and I know that you loved that film. You remember that Sigourney Weaver and Stephen Lang's characters definitely died. Definitely. Well, don't worry. It is explained. Time to go back to the world of Pandora, where Jake has been busy having a family with a love from his previous film. Now, he's got two boys, a daughter that was born from Sigourney Weaver's dead avatar, mm. don't question it, and a human boy left behind from when the humans left. Right. Called Spider. Not all the humans left, but it comes up as well that you can't transport babies. Called Spider? Yeah. So, so two, two adults called their kid Spider? Yeah. Right. All right. But he was a baby. Oh, that's fine then. Babies can't be transported, so they need to stay behind. But then a lot of the scientists stay behind as well, and the humans have gone, and they all live in tranquility and peace now, and it's all all great. Uh, But, oh no, turns out Earth is dying, and the humans return to Pandora, but this time they don't want unobtainium. This time they want magical whalejizz that prevents (laughs) ageing. I was about to say you couldn't make it up. Is that as unattainable? (laughs) (laughs) Humans also download their personalities and memories before big battles, which explains why Stephen Lang is back. Oh yeah, Stephen Lang was in the first one. This time, hunting Jake and his family for revenge, and he's in an avatar body. (gasps) Development. Mm. Because his human body's dead, but they downloaded this body (laughs) into an avatar. (laughs) And now he's blue. (laughs) Now he's blue. (laughs) He's a blue cat. Now that he and his family are marked, Jake and co. leave the tribe and head out to seek refuge with another clan by the sea. Things happen and unsurprisingly ends in a giant flight. Sound familiar? It's the first avatar. <laughs> that, that seems to be the critics' feedback is I've seen 12 years film. waiting. <laughs> it's the same. And don't get me wrong, I love Star Wars. And you can't, yeah, that was, you know, was the same one, yeah. Hope in uh, an empire, you can't, you know, Enforce Wakers, to be fair. I'd like to point out, I did... There are parts of this film that are so beautiful that you're sat there and you go, oh my God, it is an alien planet come to life. It's gorgeous. It feels phenomenal. It's really good. Oh, why is Sigourney Weaver voicing a child? It's weird. <laughs> it's weird. I, I want to see it now. So, so Sigourney Weaver's back. She plays her own... Av- and I don't get that. It might have been explained in the film and it might have dropped off. But mm. but she goes to see her dead mother's carcass. <laughs> it's just like, hello, mum. <laughs> but it's just there. I think the idea is that she didn't die in the first one. She's just... Her body's there. She comes to visit her in her spirit dream later. But don't worry about it. Anyway... They leave. They leave the tribe that we saw in the first one. Yeah. They join another tribe who treat them like outsiders. Have you heard this before? The first one. Um, or if you haven't seen Avatar, but you've seen Dancing with Wolves, that. And and now the, what the humans are after, I take it, is where the new tribe is. Yeah. What are the odds? What are the odds? Um, it's ridiculous to the point of absurdity. Right. I don't really like the character of Jake. Also, it sounds really weird that his name's Jake. They do this thing that because he's been with the tribe for so long now, you know when the other <laughs> racist here in this film, the other blue people are speaking and it, it sounds like, it's a language you don't understand, you need the subtitles. <laughs> but this time he says it really early on. And I do like this because it means you don't have to think or read in this brain dead film. He says, I've been around this language so long, it just sounds like English to me. And as soon as he says that, everyone then just, it clicks and they're halfway through a sentence going like, their language, which I won't do because it will definitely <laughs> go wrong. And then he's just like, and then it turns, you dick. What I love about it, Jake is the only human gone into an avatar there. Mm. 
There are some humans hanging around, but I don't know why he'd let his kids hang around with these humans. All the fu- every other word is fucking bro. <laughs> like literally, his kids. I want to beat the piss out of just saying the word. Oh, come at me, bro. Oh, what are we gonna do, bro? And Sigourney Weaver's weird child voice comes. He's like, "Don't do it, bro. Shut the fuck up." Mm. Um, turns out, spoilers, mate. I might do a bit of a spoiler. Should I do a spoiler? I won't do a spoiler. But the spoiler about a spider, if you don't see it coming, I don't think you deserve eyes. <laughs> It's like, it's like, do you know, do you know the spoiler around Spider? No, I'm going to remove you now from society because you're too stupid. <laughs> I hear yes, exactly what you're thinking. That's yeah. what it is. Cameron's come under fire a little bit as well for his use of um, New Zealanders being like almost otherworldly, and yes. New Zealanders are like, we're not the fuck. <laughs> like, we're, why? Do, why are we always like the mythical kind? Um, it's- I, I'm going to tell you now, it's beautiful, but there are shots like when they first get accepted and they go diving underwater. And it's a new thing to show off because last time it was animals in the sky. I didn't watch Avatar waiting to watch this one. Mm. So there were gaps where I was like, I'm sure Michelle Rodriguez... My, when I sat there, I was going, well, Michelle Rodriguez was in the first one. Why didn't they download her and put her in a blue thing? But that didn't come up. Um, yeah, the water thing's the aspect, isn't it? Is that the, the, this is... No film is like water is one of the hardest things to recreate with CGI. And, and Cameron is very good is, at the water thing. Yeah, this is brilliant. Apparently, it, 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 there are shots that are so beautiful it makes you a bit jealous that you don't live in Pandora. But then at the same time, at least I won't be bored off my tits. Mm. It was a boring film. The same thing. He's not accepted. He earns their thing by fucking a whale or whatever he does with his little weird. Oh thing. yeah, they connect the tail thing, don't things. they? When he does that to the giant whale, and then it's really weird because you love. The two New Zealanders that do the songs, and I've completely oh, Flight of the Concords. Flight of the Concords. Now yeah. the other one that actually had a career out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in it, and his job is Jermaine. To, his name is to Jermaine Clements. Jermaine Clements. His job is to harvest whale semen, but it's not whale semen. It's from the head. They're basically killing what? whales. They're killing whales, mate. They're killing whales. There's a message about the environment. No. <laughs> there's, there's a message about not fucking everything up. And do you know what's really funny? The humans have come here because they've destroyed Earth. What's the first thing they do? Right, fuck it up. Mm. <laughs> Just the, the the villains are too two dimensional, which is weird in, in this 3D, 3D movie. film. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care about anyone. I'd be quite happily if Jake and his family died. <laughs> like like if the film started with their murder, I'd be like, I'd be more interested. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be more. I'd be like, oh, what's going on? It'd be a bit different. Stephen Lang is hard to take serious because. They tried to make his avatar look like Stephen Lang. <laughs> and it's, and it's, the, I'll be honest, it's weird. The person, the they person. give him the same scar that he, they give him the same scar that the character had in the first avatar. So I'm thinking, it's like, oh, what should we do with this avatar? I don't know, scar him up. Yeah. <laughs> the, the the artist, the, the visual creator, the moment they've done it, it's just like, oh, what have I done? <laughs> just finger hovers on the delete button. Nah, camera will kill me. What 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 I love about this is. What I absolutely adore about this is that they gave him the scar so because that's what his human body was like. So does that mean in the first one they should have made Jake paralyzed? <laughs> Given how <laughs> top he stood in the wheelchair. You're like, what's the point? It's it's uh, the problem is it's three hours long and the great scenes and there are there are good warm moments where you're like, oh, that's good. Mm. But they're surrounded in a let there is, I would say, about half an hour, and that's 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 minimum of just shots that you don't need, establishing shots like we see the kids playing in the water. We see the kids playing in the water. They're still playing in the water. Three minutes later, guess what they're doing? Oh, so, they're in the water. They're in the water. Do you remember, remember when we were watching Waterworld and there's the scene where he's swimming with the kid 
and you get it, they're bonding. Mm. But then it's 10 minutes later and he's still swimming with a quid and you're like, what, are they falling in love? What? <laughs> what? Why have we swimming so much time? Is something wrong with the kids? Am I supposed to have noticed something? Like, then you go in your head and you're like, have they killed each other? Is one of them missing? Spider, the Sigourney Weaver voice one and the two knobheads that you know are going to be main characters in the future. <laughs> well, my, my criticism of Water World was too much water. So I, I feel like this film isn't made for me. And, He's already shot, hasn't he? Three and four, Probably. I believe it is. And the rumour is that the fourth one, or at least the film ends with the avatars coming to Earth. I don't know why they bother. Which is the big, like, how are they going to pull that off? I, that's just a rumour at the moment. Well, Earth's being destroyed, mate. Maybe they follow the whales, <laughs> the magical whales spawn back to Earth. That's what it is. So is I, it, I'm is, looking is forward it, to the third one. So they've done the land, done the sea. I can't wait till they find out that the sand's got fucking raisins that make your hair blue. So it sounds a bit like Star Trek 4 if you're talking, you're talking to me about whales, you're talking about, you know, certain kind of no, what, messages. Star, Star Trek 4 was good. All oh, right. <laughs> um, Avatar, it was, do you know what? As a piece of filmmaking, it's a spectacle. And if it's on something that you already pay for, maybe give it a go. But don't be invested in it. And if you want to see a story, watch the first one. And it's very rare that I'm going to stick up for the first Avatar. The first Avatar introduces its characters better, builds the world better. Do you remember in the first one, and I quite like this, Jake is played by both sides. Stephen Lang basically tells him that when he gets back to Earth, if he does the job, when he gets back to Earth, he'll get legs. He'll use his connection to make sure he gets some real human grown it's legs. It's a weird sentence, isn't it? Yeah. And Sigourney Weaver's scientist side is basically like, you can live your life as an avatar. It's a different body, but it's a full body. So they're kind of like toying with him, and you see him, and I think Sam genuinely does a great job here of playing both sides in the first one. Like, there's like a 20-minute half an hour where he's torn between them both. He's like, am I a marine or am I a scientist? And then he gets to learn the world and stuff like that. That's pretty cool. In this one, it's like, oh, he's coming for us. And what I love about this is, this is brilliant. This whole tribe that stuck up for him in the first one, it's like, oh, Stephen Lang's coming for us. Let's fuck off and everyone can stay here. <laughs> and he's like, oh, so you don't care about the rest of the tribe then? It's like, no, no, Stephen Lang's only coming to us. He's honourable. He'll only kill us. When he gets here and we're not here, he'll go, oh, fair play, I'll leave you alone. It, it, does it feel like time has passed between the first and second? No. The only reason you feel it has passed is because there's kids. Because there's kids. Do you know what Jake does this great bit? He does this bit where he's just before he, just before he turns on the Universal Translator and they all start speaking. He do, he sits there and his kids are like pissing about having a play fight, and he genuinely looks like he's annoyed. Like, what have I done with my life? I, sh I should have got legs. <laughs> I should have stayed here. It's the only point where I was like, ooh. There you go. <laughs> because, you know, you take Cameron's other work like Terminator, Terminator 1 and 2, you know, time has changed. It's gone from the 80s into the 90s. It feels like there has been a jump in time. I suppose a movie that's so heavily effects-driven like this, that's it. Because if I was to wait till they all come out on Disney+, Plus, and let's say I was a psychopath and was like, I'm going to binge all of these four movies yeah. back to back with no break, and it's going to take me like 70 hours. Um I don't... It doesn't look like from what I've seen of it and what people are saying, it doesn't feel like these films and you know have no. a distinguishable gap, which is a, which is always the challenge when you film two, three, and four together back to back. It it you don't know like what I call the matrix problem. The matrix problem comes out and then they do two and three together and it's quite clear that everything there's been such a jump and then there's this. Yeah, no, that's a good point. No, it feels like this pretty much exactly the same. Mm. Which doesn't work which I guess the level of detail. <laughs> this is gonna sound like an odd question, but not a question a statement. I don't think this film deserves this level of stuff. I don't understand why anyone the, the films, so obviously the film heavily relates to Native Americans. Like they, they act in a similar way. The, the arts a similar way to what you know Hollywood believes they do. The white man, humans come and 
take the natural resources and, and, and kill purge the earth. Purge the earth. We know that. He doesn't hide that, but he's already told that story. Tell something different. What about like a virus or something? And then you have to team up with your enemy because the the Navi tribe don't have medicine. They rely on the humans and the humans like, or did the humans cause it? Yeah, have a bit of intrigue, but don't tell the same fucking story. Do something different. You've created a world that somehow has made a billion pounds. I, I sat there thinking, I don't know how this is so busy. I came out of here because I had a day off and Esther was at work and I was bored. Because I think it is the most profitable because it keeps getting re-released. And this this is where you, your first question at the top of the episode was, how are they going to make the missing money? It's because Cameron will release this film two more times, yeah, mm. with extended cuts, bonus features, Blu-ray extras, That's what this scenes. film is, like, an extended cut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, not for me, hey, you didn't really see the point. Not a, there are good points, but the good points aren't worth mm. the low points. So Because he's now, he's now editing over six and a half hours of the next two films. Fucking weirdo. Sorry, you not know, weirdo. And, and, and before he shows the edit to the producers and the, and the, and the you know, he's like, you, he's going to show it in there, his... Here's something positive, I'll mm. say. Cameron's one of the few people that can do that. Take someone else's money, go, I've created this extensive world. You'll, you'll watch this. You don't really you, have a choice. You will, or I'll fucking play it to us. Yeah, exactly. So... <laughs> Do you ever do anything like, oh, God, it's Cameron, he's here again? And it's nice to see a director obviously have a passion about something because he wanted to do this. He didn't want to do Terminator 3, for example. He's, he's a quote, he was like, no, that's that weird done. as well. Isn't that weird? You know, it's like, you know, Cameron, you could do anything you want. You've got one of the greatest minds and you've done some of the greatest movies, you know, and you. No one do blue people. <laughs> I wanted, I've got this idea about these blue cat people. And water, yeah, right. And, and, so, that like, and somehow that like, he's got four films in his head. Yeah. Isn't that like, isn't that like Titanic in the first one? Yeah, yeah. Put them out together. In the third one, I'm gonna have a robot cat person come back in time and try and kill Jake. Well, I want to see that. I would also watch that. <laughs> but um, I, it was a waste of time, right? Mm. I, I, I kept, left the cinema. I was just like, what do I do with my life? <laughs> well, now that I've watched that. Should we should we end on the outfit? Because then next week, in the next episode, we've got Pale Blue Eyes, the Christian Bell movie, Barbarian, Banshee of Inishirin, and Glass Onion, and... Yeah, some of those. <laughs> so we'll do outfit oh, yeah. now, because I want to end on a high. And, and I, we haven't spoken about this off air, you, you know, since... But I didn't know you had watched this, and you didn't really know either. I just wrote, oh, I've watched this movie called The Outfit, and you was like, good, I've watched it too. <laughs> it's a Mark Rylance movie that is now on Now TV. Um, I saw a trailer for it a while ago. It's Graham Moore movie, uh, which has got, like I said, Mark Rylance in it. It's got Zoe Dutch in it, who I didn't really know a lot of Zoe Dutch's work other than Zombieland 2. Um, but it also has Dylan O'Brien in it, who he was in that Love and Monsters movie that we talked about on Netflix. He was. Where he lives underground. He, I always confuse him with Logan Lerman. No, I can see that. Because yeah. when, when I was watching it, I was like, it's not Logan Lerman. It's the, it's that, it's the it's, other yeah. one. I mean, he's in Team Wolf, and he was also in um, he was in that American Assassin with Michael Keaton, which was an eighteen. And I was like, it's weird that this is an eighteen. And then it starts you like, God, this is quite violent. This, it, you know, it's like you know movies that come out every now and again, like um, John Wick's and stuff like yeah. that. And that American Assassin, it's not John Wick, but it was pretty brutal. And I was, oh, yeah. you know, but so cast wise, I was drawn in, and it's also got the guy in it who I hadn't really seen much of, Johnny Flynn, who plays a character called Francis. We'll come on to him in a moment. Who I thought was a really good performance. Oh, he in was this. good, yeah. This film can only be described as it is a play. You can tell this film has been lifted from Broadway, from the West End, because again, it takes place predominantly in one location. And you can see the script is person A exits, person B enters the scene. And it's very much like a play over three acts. Same location as well, isn't it? It's all same location stuff. Yeah. So Mark Rylance plays Leonard. He's a, um, he's a, 
he's he's a tailor, and I may have got that all wrong already. But he's very he's very specific about what he is. He's, he, a, he's a tailor, mate. He's from the old school. He makes suits. He's he uh, he's a he's a Brit who's come over. He's a veteran for World War One. He's now in Chicago, and he's opened an outlet there um, where he is making tailored suits for wealthy individuals, including gangsters. He doesn't care where the money comes from. His passion is making the best suits. He's very articulate, very determined with his work. He's a professional tailor. This gorgeous scenes of just watching Mark Rylance at the fabric table, sewing sleeves. Talking and, as well. Talking about shears yeah, to, as well. As he's it's doing the only it. thing they brought with him. For, yeah, shears, yeah. Folding things perfectly and just dedicating himself to that craft. And as... Events are unfolding around him. He's at the table. So, mm. yeah, like, yeah. So you've got, uh, in, in this then, you've got also um, a, what's a drop box. So there's a box in his in his back office where he makes his suits, which is where the mob operate and communicate and they drop envelopes off. And at the end of the week, certain people will come and collect, you know, certain gangsters will come along, collect their earnings from those that they give protection from or their communications and this and the other. And he turns a blind eye to it because he's working in a dangerous neighborhood and he wants to succeed in his job. He's got respect as well from the Boyle family. Like they, like especially later, the, the, the father Boyle mm. understands him. He's the main, old school. The main Boyle. The main Boyle. He, uh, he understands yeah. him. They have a nice conversation about why did you come to the, I love that by the way. He's like, every time he's asked why did he come here, it was because of the real enemy, blue jeans. <laughs> blue jeans, yeah. <laughs> he hates the invasion of blue jeans in London. That's why he left. This is a film that is rich in backstory and that you meet your characters very early on and they come and go through certain scenes and certain events, each time coming back, unveiling another layer of who they are and why they do. Mark Rylance's character being the main one. Right up until the last scene of this movie, you're still learning Mark Rylance's backstory because it's very slowly fed to you. You get a little snippet here. You see him do something that makes you think, okay, why is he doing that? You know, he's a tailor. And, it's really until the very end scene where you where he basically reveals who he is and what he's done and why he's there. And it's that to me was just such a great moment. But on the whole, like I say, it's a um it's quite a clever written movie by Graham Moore where the the uh, the the whole premise of it is it's kind of hard to explain really. Gangsters. Every, everyone's wearing a disguise, really. And then it's about how you feel in this gangster world. There's, there's a gangster and his son. And, and the, a hitman, a very special hitman. And then there's a FBI tape. So it's at the time where bugging becomes big. Oh, and the, the film's called The Outfit because, again, it's playing off the Al Capone and the Chicago units where when a gang becomes loyal enough and, and established enough in a certain they community... Use, they can use the connections of Al Yeah, Capone. the outfit is the, is the connecting part of all these, of all these uh, criminal so underworlds. So they find out about... The outfit finds out and tells them about the wire. The and, tape. And that is the new bugging technology that's happened. And the, the whole thing is, where is this tape that reveals that there's a mole within the gang? And that tape finds itself into the hands, or at least into the shop of this tailor. And then all sorts of anarchy in, ensues with uh, gangsters coming, looking for it, rival gang members coming in, people being shot, people being murdered and hidden. Can I... Can I say I love this trope? So you've known me a long time. I love the groundhog trope. You know, when the mm. day resets and I love like happy death day, you know, and I like the different spins on it. And I love that. I think that's brilliant. I like the one location drop box thing. So I really like that. There's a film called, I think it might be called The Drop. It's got Gandolfini. Gandolfini and Hardy. Yeah. I love that film as well because you know what's gonna you know in the first scene what's gonna happen in the last scene. Mm. And it just ramps up the tension so much. And it's really cool about this film is it has a similar thing where Mark Rylance is 
the audience. He's watching these things happen. And he's a lot like us. Like He's like, a new person comes into a shop. He finds out something about this character. This character, <clears throat> he doesn't know how to act because we, the audience, have seen that he's a really nice guy, but at the same time, he's, he's kind of like a psychopath and could go off at any minute. Mm. And Rylance is flirting between the two because he doesn't know what to do. He's the audience. And if it's a play, he is suited perfectly to see both sides of the chaos and the normal. It's really good. Yeah, and, and I found also towards the end of the movie, there, there's... It, it kind of... Most films will give you a twist either halfway through or in the last act. There's a twist. This film kind of gives you a twist and you go, oh, I didn't think it was going to go there. Then there's another twist. Then there's another twist. And then there's a fucking giant twist. And then there's a huge one at the end. And, I, and it was really, really well written and none of it felt out of place. It's... It's dang- it's a dangerous movie because obviously this this character everyone's a loose cannon everyone's got guns you know anyone could turn on anyone at any point and it doesn't matter how friendly you are or who you know this is a movie where this tape is so dangerous if it got into the wrong hands if the FBI got hold of it that they would kill for it and so there is a there's a risk there's a peril to what Mark Rylance Reynolds, uh, Leonard does within the movie that I did think there was real stakes involved in watching this film but at the same time the gambles that he makes and the choices that he makes in who he double crosses or who he aligns with felt really like what you would do if you were trying to survive in what must be a really difficult situation. And it's all shot over one night, isn't it? Well, the first the first film kind of shows you the setting. The meat is. But then the majority of the film takes place. He, just as he's about to close, someone comes in with a gunshot wound and then it all kind of starts to take over. Um, and like I say, they bring him there because because he can stitch. That's kind of the only real reason, he, yeah. you know, he's like, they can't go to a, there's a, Big war going on outside with these two what, gangs. Bullet wear is easy to get over, man. <laughs> just, just a bit of water. Just a bit of water. A bit of water fine, and stitch it up, and it's all right because you're not bleeding internally. You're fine. Like that, that is it. <laughs> but I really liked it. I thought Mark Rylance just once again kind of performs and gives a gives a really good performance to a character that needs it. It needs someone who can do what Mark Rylance does in in that he has to wear many masks in this movie. He has to show many different kind of personalities to survive the night to get through it all. And then the final twist at the end, or the final like piece of the puzzle when it reveals, is shot brilliantly, and it yeah. and it's, it's physical as well. It's physical. What yeah. Mark Rylance does in that last scene is really, really good. So there, there was a scene where Mark Rylance nearly shits himself as well. Which I thought was brilliant acting. Mm. Like when a character that you thought had left the story comes back, and he literally, you could see Mark Rylance literally shits. Yeah, I really did like them. Like whoa. So I I would recommend the outfit if you like gangster movies, if you like um, those kind of films that you know everyone's got an agenda. People might not be who they say they are. It's going to be a film of mystery and twists and turns. But also if you like, you know, we, we did a whole podcast on this about uh, films that take place predominantly in one location. Yeah. And that is always an achievement in film. If you can film... It's an achievement in podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's an achievement in film. If you can make something, you know, something, you know, a single location be entertaining and for all in for a whole two hours. And this movie does it. I mean, it does push the hour 40 odd mark um, and I really enjoyed it I, it was a real ditty of a movie that I had no expectation I saw a tra- the trailer for it I fit what feels like ages ago and was like oh yeah I remember that movie Mark Rylance yeah, put- yeah okay I'll watch it and I was like this is great I saw this in the summer I don't know how but mm. I saw it in the summer it, it was a great film and when you said you'd watched it I was like yes and then realised it was on something so then I did another cheeky rewatch this mm. morning yeah great it's a good movie I, up in the top 10 I'd say at some point this year it was my favourite film yeah um but it did get changed, but you won't find out till next week what my favourite comedy was. We've got some big players next week. Like I say, the, the Banshees of Inner Sheeran, we've got Glass Onion, uh, we'll talk about The Pale Blue Eyes, we'll talk about Barbarian, 
Uh, plenty to talk about in next week's episode. This is a double part because, like I said, we have to get through everything that we've seen in the last couple of weeks. And also, we've, we've got more news to talk about and, and we've got like a different mission statement. We've got loads next week. So. We didn't even talk about DC and what's happening there. Yeah, exactly. The world is in turmoil. Although by the time this comes out, it might have actually changed again. I know. <laughs> who would, I, I swear to God, who would have thought Ezra Miller was the surviving member of the DC universe? I just, I just think the balls. <laughs> the, the balls are James Gunn to go, everything I didn't do, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, James Gunn's like, we're going to have to make cuts. People aren't safe. Apart from Ezra Miller and my wife, who I cast in everything. Them two, they're fine. They're great. They're all right. But it does mean that Nathan Fillion's no armed man is canon in the yeah. DC reboot. So take that to the bank. So but, Also, wouldn't you be Henry Cavill at the moment? Henry Cavill's like, I'm the Witcher. No, I'm not. I'm Superman. No, no I'm, I'm not. not. Oh, shit. Warhammer. Go <laughs> on, man. Why not? Right. Um, that's our show for this week if you do like it don't forget to like and subscribe stick with us we have got a full year of podcasts coming thanks for being patient over the last two weeks as we've been off and then this is it no breaks until yeah, next year this is the long slog now so stick with it uh, and like I say subscribe you get a new episode each and every week from now so if we don't see you later good afternoon good evening good night goodbye <laughs>